Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, August 15th, 2019. On today's show, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Writers Y. Trambui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. So uh, before we started recording, HD asked Chris, uh, are you wearing your sunglasses that you received in the mail? No, I asked if he was wearing his super cool sunglasses. Yes. Yeah, so, so what happened? You got a package in the mail promoting Rocket Man. Rocket. Uh, yeah, I got. You know, for those who don't know, um, <laughs> out there in the uh, out there in in the regular world, we we press folks. Sometimes we get these things. They're called press drops, where it's usually to promote. Uh, at least for me, it's usually to promote home video stuff, primarily because I cover uh, Blu-rays and home video stuff for the site. So, and uh, sometimes when I get sent, uh, you know, a, pro- a promo copy, they also include little, uh, little tchotchkes, little knickknacks. And uh, this time, I got um, uh, some Elton John-like sunglasses, and also a karaoke microphone, <laughs> and also a jacket, which does not fit me. But so, thanks, Wait. Paramount. Wait, is it Elton John's jacket? No, it's like a satin, like baseball jacket, and it just says Rocket Man on the back. It's actually kind of cool. If it fit me, I would wear it, but it's it's a size medium, which I will never be. So maybe I'll <laughs> give it to my dog or something. I don't know. I'll take it, Chris. All right, I'll mail it to you. Yay! <laughs> okay, let's start talking about the news. There's, uh, news has kind of slowed down a bit, but we have some things to talk about, but I think this is going to be a shorter-than-usual episode. Uh, let's start off first with um, this thing on spoilers. Like, uh, th- There's a new tool designed to detect spoilers, and uh, it's pretty – it doesn't work that well is what I'm hearing. HD, what do we know? 
No, it does not. But this is a tool created by a group of researchers at the University of California, San Diego, who set out to make an AI tool called SpoilerNet, which is capable of accurately identifying sentences that are likely to give away major plot points. But the problem is there's no definitive definition for what would be a sentence that would give away a major plot point. So uh, they ran, they first ran this tool through a um, the Goodreads data set and created their own data set with book reviews in which they would uh, slag words like killed, uh, murdered, <laughs> uh, other such words. And um, they tried it again with, um, for example, Avengers Endgame with the word snap. But the problem is that it is sort of a blanket tool. It's kind of similar to what you see with a, like a Twitter filter tool when you filter out one word, but it takes out everything that has to do with snap. So it could be something like a snap decision or snap, snap judgment. So this is something that um, is uh, is still being tested. I don't know if this is going to be rolled out into an actual like extension on Chrome or something, but for the most part, it's kind of impossible to uh, <laughs> to you know, create a spoiler-free um, tool. But uh, this is something that they are uh, that they were researching, and they discovered that for a lot of reviews that they studied, book reviews, movie reviews, the spoilers were often clumped towards the latter part of the reviews. So that's kind of a fun fact to hear, even if this tool doesn't necessarily work. But um, if you guys are want to just you know use well, your own judgment, isn't that like obvious? Like when we write a review, we usually put the spoilers near the end, or if we're talking linearly uh, about yes. the the plot, the spoilers come to the near the end. Yeah, but now we have a study to confirm that. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like an AI is not going to be able to detect spoilers. What I think we just need is we need these social networks to just like enable easy to use spoiler tools. And I know that that makes it so that the the user has to do it. And like, you know, we, we can't we can't rely on every person on the Internet to actually tag their things with spoilers. But like if I want to like, you know, have a sentence in my tweet that's spoiler, I should be able to like highlight that and put spoiler, you know, press the spoiler button and it will like make it, you know, hidden for users. Like I feel like that would be the easy way to handle this. So that's similar to the tool that people use on Reddit. Yes. The sort of blackout spoiler tool. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, that's nice, I'm sure. Um, and it would require more work on our part. So that would be fun. Uh, but I also think that people should just get less um, sensitive about spoilers. Just don't read a review if you don't want to get spoiled, guys. Yeah, that's that's the thing that's crazy to me, that people read a review and then are upset that, they, that there's spoilers in there. Yeah. I mean, if you read, like, Chris, I know you've gone back and read like a lot of like old Roger Ebert stuff. Like he ruins the entire movie in those old reviews. Yes, yeah. I mean, because there was a time where, I guess it was you know back before the internet was so prevalent where it didn't really matter. And also, yeah, that's just how things were back in the day, back yeah. in the good old days. <laughs> I think reviews were almost used as like a tool that you could go back and be like, oh, what was that movie about? Like now we have Wikipedia, so I guess like you know we don't have to spoil the whole movie in the review, but uh, you know it's, it's used for different purposes, I guess these days. But people are freaking out over spoilers, and uh, it looks like AI is not going to help us uh, get rid of them. So um, let's talk about 
Walking Phoenix and the Joker movie, which, by the way, I, I may or may not have talked to someone who saw this movie and really, 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 really liked it. Uh, but that may or may or not actually have happened. And uh, uh, he has recently, Walking uh, Phoenix has recently gone on record ex- uh, explaining how he came up with uh, his Joker laugh. And it's kind of surprising. Chris, what do we know? Yes, this ain't your daddy's Joker film, folks. Joaquin Phoenix is taking this very seriously. And uh, he gave an interview with an Italian magazine and he revealed that to come up with his laugh rather than just doing, you know, like a generic maniacal laugh, which is pretty much what uh, Jared Leto did for Suicide Squad. He actually uh, studied people with a um, uh, a medical condition called um, it's not it doesn't actually have this specific name, but it's a, a disorder called pathological laughter or crying where people literally just can't control when they start laughing or when they start crying. It's an, it's an actual uh, medical condition that some people have. And Joaquin Phoenix went out and studied people with this to get that laugh down because he's taking this really, really seriously. And on one level, that's, that's kind of cool. You know, I don't know how this movie is going to turn out. I, I have my doubts based on some insider knowledge I have. Uh, But I do know that no matter what, you know, no matter how this film ends up, I have confidence that Joaquin Phoenix will do a good job because I really do think he's, he's one of the best actors working right now. And I know that, you know, even if the movie itself ends up stinking, he'll, he'll still be worth seeing in it. I've never heard of this disorder before. Like, I'm trying to imagine, like, would I be able to go to the movies if I had this disorder? And, like, like you know, during a, you know, really sad, dramatic movie, just, like, break out in, in laughter? Like, how do, how do you handle that disorder? Uh, well, in this day and age where everyone is a rude asshole, it probably doesn't matter. You can get away with it. <laughs> I've been in movies where I'm watching really dramatic stuff or really sad stuff, and there'll always be, like, one person who's just like, ha, ha, ha. Like, and like, maybe, maybe that person had the disorder Uh, though. Maybe, maybe I I was being too harsh in judging them, but I I do know that you called them an asshole and they had a disorder. Yeah. Now I feel bad. So thank you, Joaquin Phoenix for teaching me something. (laughs) Okay. Let's move on to star Wars. Let's talk about uh, this rumor that Ewan McGregor might have signed on to reprise his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi. HD. What do we know? Yes, a new rumor has surfaced that Ewan McGregor has signed on to star in an Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Um, And this is something that uh, may or may not be announced at the D23 Expo that's coming up. But um, it's a rumor that came from a report from Cinelix. Um, And they don't have many details for now, except that Ewan McGregor has signed on to star in some sort of Obi-Wan Kenobi project. But uh, we don't have anything concrete at the moment. Yeah, and while this is a new rumor, we've been talking about this for, I think, over a year now. There's been rumors that there might be an Obi-Wan Kenobi standalone spinoff film when they were doing a Star Wars stories, which looks like they've abandoned at this point. And uh, there's been rumors that they were going to do a, a series here. Uh, is this a wise idea? Like, Because I feel like I feel like Disney's taking the wrong lessons from Solo Star Wars Story. And I th- mm. think the lesson they're taking is that people want less Star Wars, which I don't think is necessarily the case. If you look at Marvel, you know, Marvel is doing really well and they're doing three, you know, upcoming four films a year. Uh, I think the lesson is that, like, they want new 
characters and new stories. But I mean, HD, what do you think? Well, I think Obi Wan, um, Ewan McGregor's Obi Wan, didn't really get his due in the prequels. At, at least he was a really popular character, and people wanted to see more of him. And um, p- fans have been kind of um, jostling for an Obi Wan Kenobi movie or series for a while now. And uh, I think that if Ewan McGregor was to sign on, then it would be more successful than the Solo movie because Solo did have, um, uh, what's his name, Alden Ehrenreich <laughs> starring it. And he was much less, a, he's much more of an unknown than Ewan McGregor. Um, so I think that it could work and it could have its uh, its fans. Um, yeah, I, I do think that people w- do want to see new Star Wars, but at the same time, I think it's too early to say what lessons yeah. uh, Disney is taking for now because we don't really know the plans for um, their Star Wars projects in the future, at least not until possibly an, an, a series of announcements at D23. Yeah, I guess my, my, my biggest problem with this is I like Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan and I would love to see him reprise that role, but... Is there really story to be told between, you know, Revenge of the Sith and uh, Star Wars A New Hope? Like, he's in the middle of the desert of Tatooine. Like, watch- bend. Yeah, he's, wa- he's watching Luke from afar. Like, Chris, is-, is there any story to be told there? Like, is he just like a ninja taking out people that are coming after Luke? Like, I don't know. Like, I- it sounds kind of dull. Yeah, I mean, if they were to do this, I would like it to be like a completely standalone thing like i don't want a bunch of winking references to stuff we already know like i didn't dislike solo but we didn't need like oh here's how the kessel run happened like i you know if you want to make a movie that's just like obi-wan in the desert doing his own thing it has nothing to do with luke or anything like that like that might be interesting like make like a western something or something like that with obi-wan in it but if it's just going to be about him you know watching over luke and reflecting on his past and i don't i don't think we need that but what do i know i don't know yeah yeah i don't i don't know um i mean maybe there's a way like you know solo star wars story i know there's a lot of fans of that film out there they've they've made this movement which is not as loud and obnoxious as the uh release the snyder cut movement but they're trying to get Solo 2 to happen, which I don't think it's ever going to happen. Maybe, you know, Solo left things open for the story to go. You know, there was like a continuing storyline that, it, you know, was abruptly stopped because they're probably not going to make a sequel. Maybe there's a way to tell that story in like a Obi-Wan movie because, you know, obviously he, you know, him and Darth Maul have a past and we we saw in Rebels that they, they, they come to a head. So maybe, maybe that could happen. I don't know. Uh, but again, Chris, you don't want that, right? Like you, you want something just completely, a completely different adventure. I mean, really what I want is a good movie. That's, that's really all yeah. it boils down to. If you can find a way to make that stuff good, I'll like it. But Well, well this isn't even a movie. This would be a show. So that would be like... Oh. I like what um, Chris is saying, though. I think you could make that into a series, maybe something along the lines of the original uh, Hulk series, something where he just kind of comes in like a wandering uh, rogue and saves someone and then kind of wanders off on his own, sadly. Uh, A very Western approach to that, uh, kind of a wandering Ronin. So I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. 
We'll have to see. Um, I'm very skeptical at this point, but uh, the, the these guys at Cineflex have some good sources, so uh, we'll see. D23 is coming up, so we'll find out then. A uh, bit of news that hit yesterday after we recorded the podcast is there's an interactive haunted house movie coming from Amblin. Chris, what do we know? Yeah, um, I'm, I, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about this. So uh, Alexandra Aja, uh, who directed Crawl and the, the Hills Have Eyes remake, he's directing this film. Um, it's being produced by Amblin, of course, which is Steven Spielberg's company. So, so, so wait, pause here. So it's a filmmaker yes. you like. Yes. And it's a, a studio uh, we all have like an affection for, right? Yes, and, and then on top, sorry, Gad. Yeah, on top of that, it's a haunted house movie, right? And it's also the idea is from Mike Flanagan, who is a, dire- a horror filmmaker I really like. He's he's directing Doctor Sleep. He directed The Haunting of Hill House. So all everything, everyone involved with this is is very promising. However, here's where things get get weird because, uh, as you said, this is an interactive haunted house movie, which means. It's a it's basically a choose your own adventure film. And while we've seen stuff like that before with, you know, uh, the, the Black Mirror film Bandersnatch, this is is apparently being made for theaters, whereas and it's going to inspire people to take out their phones and control certain actions in a theater. Now, for, for one thing, I don't know how that's going to work, how you're going to have a theater of people. Well, let's dissect that for a second. There's this new technology that allows right. people to use their phones to affect what they're watching. Right. Um, now, is that on its own, is that that interesting to you? Not really. I mean, I sort of liked – I sort of enjoyed the, the experiment with Bandersnatch, even though it's not the same technology, but it's the same sort of idea. But – that was also in in you know the the comfort of my own home. I can't imagine like I just I don't understand how this works where you have a bunch of people in one theater. Like what if one person wants one thing to happen and then the person sitting next to you wants a completely different thing? Like how I don't know how this is going to play out. And then on top of all that, well, well I think it's a it is a uh, democracy, Chris. Oh, what? There's a you have to vote. <laughs> yes, is that how it's gonna work? I think it's who whatever gets the most votes is what what happens is what I would guess. I guess, and then on top of that, you know, anything that inspires people to take their phones out in a theater is just <laughs> bad in my mind. Like we we're already, we already have a problem with that to begin with, and now you're you're literally encouraging people to like whip out their phones and you know, use them in a movie theater, it just sounds like a really bad idea. Like if this were being made directly for Netflix, you know, so you could, it's a one person thing, then I might be a little more enthusiastic about this, but the the theatrical angle, I I don't know, man, it's making me very, very nervous. See, I'm more interested in seeing these interactive experiences. I'm not a big gamer, but I am, I, I like narratives and I, I like the idea of like an interactive movie if it was done right. But the thing that bothers me is what the, I guess the same aspect of what it bothers you is like I don't want people on their phones during the movie. And like, you know, when they're on the phone to vote on something, I'm sure that, you know, some message will come up on Facebook and then they go to Facebook and then they get like, you know, all these people are going to be on their phones doing their own thing and not like actually watching the movie. Like, I feel like if you're going to do this, why not make like a very cheap remote that has like three colored buttons 
and you give it to everybody walking in, kind of like you give like 3D glasses, and then they press those buttons. Like that, that would be a lot less distracting than people on their phones. HD, do you have any uh, thoughts on this? Yeah, I have the same thoughts as you guys. I don't like the idea of phones out in the theater, but I do like the idea of an interactive haunted house. I think that's cool. Um, I don't do a lot of haunted houses, but I like the idea of you being part of the narrative. I know in Japan they have haunted houses where basically you become part of the story and you have you're given a mission to do something and there's really only one person who's like chasing you around this haunted house uh so there's like a school for example where you have to go to the center and cast a spell but there's just like one woman dressed in a like a, a white dress who just chases you around corners the entire time and i like that idea i don't know if that would relate at all to this interactive haunted house movie but um I think it's cool, but yeah, I don't know how it'll work out in a theater setting. I'd like to imagine that a group of people pay $20 to go see this movie, and then like in the first 10 minutes, it's like, should he go in the house? And everybody votes no, and then like it just like ends happily ever after with like, you know, the credit sequence. <laughs> and then you're like, I wasted my 20 bucks on this? Uh, I'm sure that won't happen. But uh, okay, let's talk about Robocop Returns. This is the new film from director Neil Blomkamp who it turns out it doesn't look like it's happening after all. Yeah. Looks like RoboCop Returns is going to be in need of a new commanding officer. So what happened, um, HD? Neil Blomkamp has tweeted that he is now off RoboCop. He confirmed in a tweet that he is shooting a new horror thriller uh, and um, he can't, an MGM can't wait or slash they need to shoot RoboCop now. But he is excited to watch in theaters with other fans. This is a project that he has been working on for about the past year. And he's been giving regular updates to fans through Twitter about the status of this movie, which uh, original RoboCop writers Ed Neumeyer and Michael Miner are producing with Justin Rhodes uh, penning the script. But it seems like uh, Blomkamp is no longer working on this film, uh, which kind of adds to his body track record with with a reviving beloved franchises and sequels in Hollywood. Yeah, that, that that kind of stinks because, you know, people wanted to see that Alien movie from him and mm-hmm. this RoboCop film sounded like something that people were really interested in. He, he's good with that mix of live action and visual effects and this seemed like something that might be up his alley. So what is he doing instead? Um, yeah, it, his uh, new horror thriller movie, um, there are no details on it yet, but it seems to be, uh, it's something, sounds like something up his alley. It might be related to his more recently launched, um, uh, what is it called? Oat Studios, the independent space that he launched in 2015 in which he's been experimenting with short horror and sci-fi films. He had, re- he had recently tried to adapt one of those short films into a feature recently um but it did not pan out so perhaps we could be seeing one of those um but there are no details yet on what he's working on currently like when you have a filmmaker like this who uh who can't seem to get films off the ground at all i mean even guillermo del toro who has like he's juggling 12 different projects and trying to get one to happen like you have to wonder like why is this happening is is neil blomkamp is he a hard person to work with? Chris, do you have any theories? Uh, I think Neil Blomkamp is a bad filmmaker. And, <laughs> he, should, and he should probably just 
quit while he's not really ahead. He's made one okay movie, and everything else he's made has been either not so great or flat out bad. And I don't, I don't understand why. Every time something like this happens, people are like, "Oh man, Neil Blomkamp can't make this movie." Like, who cares? Give it to someone else. There's, there's got to be a better filmmaker out there looking for work than Neil Blomkamp. By the one good movie you're talking about, you mean Chappie, right? Yes, of course. The masterpiece, <laughs> Chappie. Chris, don't hold back. Tell us what you really think. I just, uh, I'm, t- I'm just so tired of seeing people fail upwards. Like, come on, just just throw in the towel, Neil Blomkamp. I feel like a person like Neil Blomkamp needs a good producer. Like, you know, that first film, and, and you are kidding, right? The, the film that you said that he did that was good is District 9, right? Yes, District Nine is a is a good movie. I um, but I don't think good, it's a great good, movie, but it's good. He had good producers on that. He had Peter Jackson. He had uh, Fran. Uh, what's her name? Walsh. Walsh. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he's a person I f- that needs some good producers to to make something happen. But uh, maybe this new. Are you excited for this new horror film, Chris? <laughs> Probably not. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's move on to our final story, which is not really a news story. It's actually uh, Mind Hunter season two. Chris has seen the first three episodes. Uh, we have a kind of a reaction on the site, Chris. Without spoiling anything, how is it? It's great. Um, the Netflix is being really cagey about this season for some reason. I don't know if there's like some big, big twist they don't want anyone giving away or what. But it took. It took a, an arm and a leg to finally get them to give me the first three episodes. And um, even then, they, you know, they were like, you know, please hold an, a full review until you see the full season. But if you want to review these only these three episodes, you can. So, I, I you know, I wrote a, it's sort of like a first impression thing of the first three episodes. And it's it's great. Um the first three episodes are directed by David Fincher, so uh, they they look pretty much better than everything else on TV right now. You know, they're they, you know David Fincher is obviously a fantastic filmmaker, and uh, even if you you don't like the story, which is good anyway, but if if for some reason the story wasn't good, just watching the way Fincher shoots these episodes is, is incredible because. You know, when you boil Mindhunter down to its base element, it's really just a show about people talking. It's people sitting in rooms talking to each other, and that can be really boring, but he finds really exciting ways to make this stuff, you know, pop and and, and, and flow really well. And there are not many directors who can do that that well. So uh, good job, David Fincher. <laughs> you heard it here first. David Fincher makes people talking in room cinematic. It's true. <laughs> so uh, by the first three episodes, you're still interested and you're still uh, excited to see more. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I was. I was already excited, but now I'm even more so. It, it it drops in full tomorrow, so I'm really excited that I don't have to wait too long before I get to see the rest of it. See, I'm wondering if it should go back and watch season one because I watched the first couple episodes, which I believe were also directed by Fincher. Is that correct? I think the first two episodes. I, he directed the first two, and I think he directed like the. The last two, something like that. Two, and I, I think I like got a little bit bored along the way, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was that that fall from Fincher to other filmmakers. Yeah, I, I like. I do remember, even though I love the first season, I do remember like the minute it switches to a new director, you can tell 
like, oh, this is clearly someone. Like, even without seeing the credits, you immediately know just from the way it's shot. But uh, this season has some good. It has Andrew Dominic, who directed um, the assassination of Jesse James. He directs some episodes, so I, I am excited to see how how the other episodes look. And I'm assuming this is a serialized story, which I would have to go back and watch the first season to understand. Uh, definitely the first three episodes because they tie up a bunch of stuff that happened in the season finale. But the show is interesting because it has, it does have that serialized nature to it that most Netflix shows have, but it also does sort of standalone episodes too, where if you just watch them on your own without the other episodes, you'll get it. But uh, for this, this, the first three episodes, there is a lot of like housekeeping of like tying up loose ends. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay, that brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find links to the stories we talked about on today's show in the show notes. You can find this podcast, Slash Film Daily, published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.